So i uh, just been talking back and forth with Rodney Howe Brown's ministry. They contacted the Savelles and contacted us this week on Thursday. So this is kind of last minute. Um, but uh, like I said, he's doing a 300-city tour. And, um, and one of those places is going to be here on not this Monday, but the following Monday at 7 o'clock. And I encourage you, you don't want to miss it. I believe it's uh, God's already been doing things within our church throughout this year and throughout the time that, that this church has been established. But I believe that there is a, a shift and there's some, something extraordinary that's going to happen. Something that we may not be able to necessarily see or see in the natural, but I believe there's something that the Spirit of God is doing at Heritage. And I believe it's going to be a springboard not just for the rest of 2022, but something that will go on throughout the rest of our experience, our life as a church, until Jesus returns. Amen. Do you believe that? I know there's, there's something significant. I know that in the last days, I'm going to be a part of something significant. You're going to be part of something significant. Heritage Faith is here not because the Savelles needed something else to do. It wasn't said, hey, this is a good idea. No, no, Jesus showed up, visited Miss Carolyn, said, there's hurting people in your community. I want you to love them for me. And so we've, we've been here for, since, since 2000. But I'm saying there's something that what God, the seeds that have been sown, the seeds that have been watered, we're about to see an increase. You see, Paul, it says in Corinthians 3, it says, says Paul, Paul said this, he goes, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I believe every service that, that I, no matter where I minister and where I preach, I believe that I'm either sowing seeds or watering seeds. But ultimately what happens is God's going to give the increase. That I, I want to be a part of what God's doing. How about you? I, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing. How about you? And I, I, I can't say that this, what I'm going to be ministering is necessarily a part of a series of what I've been preaching or, or what I will be preaching. Um, so, so just let's just go there today. We'll see, just see what happens. Go to Romans chapter 8. In Psalm 71. Romans 8 and Psalm 71. Psalm 71 is a scripture that we've been, we've been in. But I want to start in Romans chapter 8. So between now and... We'll make it a point to always be praying over your church, your pastors... Okay. Hold your place there. Go to. Um, you don't need to go anywhere. Well. <laughs> if you can put up uh, Penny, if you can put up Isaiah forty-four, three. I'll get to Romans eight in a second. Hallelujah. Hmm. I, I never was one for church as usual. I was never was one of let's let's just let's go there and let's hear a good word and then just let's go home. That's 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 not that's not me. That's not what I desire. I I've been to a lot of church church growth conferences. You know, I've heard heard pastors tell me and church growth people say, well, you know, the fastest the fastest church the fastest growing the the ninety five top one hundred churches in America their services are under sixty five minutes. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, and they'll say, okay, well, then, then you want to be these facet, these big churches and you have to do this. And, oh, by all means, don't do anything with the Holy Spirit in your service. Save that, save that for a small group. Save that for a back room somewhere. Save that for another class. Save that for a special service once a month. And, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, all right. And, and I'm taking note of those things. But, but I go back to the Lord and I always had this conflict in my heart. Just something just didn't. Bear witness, he goes, he goes, well, I didn't call you to be like them. He goes, one, he, and then the Lord said, don't judge them. 
Because you're not accountable for what they're accountable for. So it's not comparing what, a, what church is right and what church is wrong. He goes, but, but, but I'm like, Lord, what's my DNA? You know, some, some people considered, you know, churches to be, you know, well, our church is evangelistic. So I, I, I would, Lord, Lord, is our church evangelistic? And he goes, well, go to, let, me, go, let me tell you what your church is. It's Ephesians chapter 4. He says that I put gifts in the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. He goes, for the equipping of the saints, so the saints do the work of the ministry. It's not that we don't want people saved in our church. We want people saved in our church. But ultimately, my job as a pastor is to equip you that you're getting people saved in your sphere of influence. And then you're bringing to the house of God to be grown up, to discover who they are, what they're called to do, and fulfill the assignment on their lives. So we are a training center. We are an equipping center for the, for, for the people of God. Yes, we will see people born again. And if we're going to see revival, we need, to be an, we need to be an evangelistic church. We need to be going outside these walls and bringing people in to see people's lives change. You're called. You have an assignment on your life. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah 44. I'm going to put this up and then we'll get into this. It says, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty. It doesn't say, I will pour water on him who, who would like a drink. It doesn't say, I will pour on water on everybody. I, I will pour water on the whole body of Christ. I will pour water on all the children of Israel. I will pour water on him who is thirsty. If anything, this morning, I want to make you thirsty. I I want to make you thirsty. I will pour water on him who is thirsty in floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So what is he doing? What's he connecting here? He's connecting, he's connecting, he's doing it. This is an analogy. He's connecting like that he's going to pour water on him who is thirsty. So that means he's going to pour his spirit on people that are thirsty. I'm going to pour my spirit on your descendants. This is a this is a prophecy. This is something that is to be released in the future. He's saying, just as you are thirsty in the natural, you need to understand, I'm just going to come to a place where it won't just be a natural water, but I'm going to pour my spirit out on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Hey, I'm here. I'm his descendant and I'm his offspring. How about you? I will pour my spirit on his descendants, and I will pour my blessing on his offspring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Now, that wasn't my message, but, but I mean, that was just, that was good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Make us thirsty, Lord. Make, make us thirsty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 6. Now, before I read this, uh, right before COVID happened, the Lord took me to this scripture. And this was a scripture I preached a lot that year, brought up a lot in services, Wednesdays and Sundays, here and there. Because it's something that we, that needs to, something that needs to drop down in our hearts. And he, he, he gave that to me before that year happened. Everything that we had with riots and the racial tension that was going on, the, the political environment of that year, everything that was taking place before everything happened, the Lord gave me this scripture. In verse 6 it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what was the Lord speaking to me and preparing us as a church for that season? He was saying, Look, don't get your mind on carnal things because it's not productive. Stop looking. He says to be carnally minded is death, meaning, meaning there's no life if I'm going to look at things just from the flesh standpoint of things. But he said, he said, be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, so if I want, do you, you want life and peace? Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me help you here. If you want life and peace, make sure you are inputting and downloading the right things in your life. 
Make sure the word becomes the primary thing in your life. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if I'm not walking and if I don't have life, Zoe of God, and I don't have peace, then for me, it's a thermostat in my life. If I'm anxious about things or I'm upset about things or I'm easily agitated, for me, it's a thermostat to say, you know what? I haven't been spending enough time in God's presence. I'm not looking at things from a spiritual perspective because you have a world constantly around us that's going to constantly give you a certain perspective. But that thinking and those thoughts, the Babylonian system and how the world operates will not bring long-term peace. But yet when I'm, if I'm spiritually minded, I have life and peace. So for to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind, the natural mind, the mind of your flesh is against God. For it is not subject to the law of God or how God does things, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh. Are you born again? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? I want you to know that old things have passed away and all things have become new. What is Paul telling them? He's telling them, look, look, you are born again, but you're still living by your natural way of doing things. And he wants to remind them, wait a minute, wait a minute, but you're not, you're in the spirit. You have a spiritual identity now. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now, listen to this. But the spirit, this is the New King James, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, get, listen, the spirit is is life because of righteousness. Because I'm accepted by God, because of God's righteousness, I have his life. The spirit is life because of righteousness, but if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Now it doesn't say heavenly body. Meaning this isn't something that, that one day in the sweet by and by. I can lay hold of in my life. No it's saying the same spirit. That raised Jesus from the dead. The same glory. Romans 6 says it was the glory of God that went into hell and raised Jesus from the dead. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens my mortal body. My mortal body. My, I'm, you need to understand that your spirit on the inside of you is far greater than you realize. You have an assignment on your life. Say that with me. I have an assignment on my life. Say, I have a purpose on my life. And I will fulfill that purpose. I will fulfill that assignment. Thank you, Father. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you. You are His. It's when we don't understand that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, you'll be limited because you're always trying to figure things out up here and do things according to this. I'm not saying we don't use wisdom. And there's some other things I could talk about, the, the consciousness and the difference between the, your soul and your spirit and those things. I don't have time to get into that this morning. But I want you to understand this spiritual side of life that we need to step into in these last days. 
Let's look at Psalm 71. Psalm 71. We'll just go as far as we can get this morning and then pick up next week. Psalm 71. Look at verse 14. And we talked about this scripture a lot and when we were talking about God's righteousness. It says, but I will hope continually. This is verse 14. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. Here David is writing and he's saying, look, God, I'm going to talk about your righteousness. I'm going to talk about your fullness of doing and being right. And we know we saw wherever righteousness was, we saw salvation, right? And he says, I don't know their limits. I don't know the end of what God can do or what God will do. And then it says this. The psalmist says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. That's a phrase I want you leaving here in your heart. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Now, David is writing here. David had an intimate relationship with Heavenly Father. He had a personal, intimate relationship with God, with Yahweh, Lord Jehovah. David had to rely upon the Lord. He required the Lord. And I could take you to a lot of scriptures in the Psalms where he said, said, I require the Lord. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after. That I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Psalm 63, he goes, in a dry and weary land where no water is. He goes, I go into the house of God because it's there I see your power and your glory. Meaning when, when I am dry and weary in my life, I know where to go. And here he's saying, he, when he, he's talking about when enemies are around me, he goes, I will go in the strength of the Lord. David understood something about the spirit of the Lord. Throughout all the Old Testament, we can see how, how, how the spirit of God came upon people. The spirit of God uh, fell upon them. The spirit of God came within the congregation. And we could go and we could look at all those scriptures. Throughout the Old Testament about how the Spirit of God came upon Samson. The Spirit of God fell upon them, quickened them, spoke to them. But with David, there was something interesting about David is when David was anointed by Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it said that when, when Samuel, Samuel took the anointing oil and poured it upon his head. He poured the oil on him, prayed for him, and he said that the anointing, and he said the Spirit of God came upon him from that day forward. You're a carrier. He, the, the Spirit of God fell upon him, came upon him from that day forward. Now, in the Old Testament, we know how the Spirit of God came upon them. But what we'll see in a little bit, in the New Testament, Jesus said, the Holy, the Holy Spirit that I will send, the Comforter that I will send, He will not only be with you, but will be in you. So when David was speaking, he said, I will go in the strength of the Lord. He's talking about the spirit of God that was upon his life. This word strength here, I will go in the strength of the Lord. He was declaring to her, he was declaring, I'm going to go in the mighty deeds of the Lord. I'm going to go in the might of the Lord, Joseph. I'm, I'm going to go in the Lord's ability, not my own ability. You see, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
I have the spirit of life on the inside of me because of his righteousness, because of who God is and because what God did through Jesus. I have the spirit of life on the inside of me. I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. I have the Zoe life of God. I have the very nature and DNA of heaven flowing through my body. I have him on the inside of me. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life and I welcomed and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I came wall to wall Holy Ghost on the inside. You have to be spiritually minded. You're not just someone that's going to heaven one day and you'll know the fullness of his power when you get to heaven. No, you have the ability to operate in the fullness of who he is. You have the ability to go in the strength of God, no matter what you might be facing. You may get a report from the doctor, but you need to say, you know what? I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord God. You may say, you may have gotten fired from your job. You say, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what the next steps are. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord, my God. I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord, my God. Let's go to, go to Joel chapter, uh, Joel chapter two, Joel chapter two. Now, you have to understand throughout Scripture, and this is, this is 66 books written by 40, 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period of time. And yet it all makes sense that lived in different parts. And um, it, it, it is God's desire for humanity. It's the only book that they've tried to outlaw, burn, and isolate in, in basements, in caves, and it's the only book that would resurrect itself. And, and all of a sudden people say, oh, well, it's, that's not true. And all of a sudden you'll see things like the Dead Sea Scrolls and, in 1940s, and you're like, oh, wow, maybe the Word of God is true. You know, there's like 600 and there's over, over 600 some prophecies that are documented and can be fulfilled by archaeology. But yet in the Quran, there's over 400 prophecies that were never fulfilled. So you tell me what book has validity and what book doesn't. So you, you have to understand that this word is God's desire for humanity. And when you see a prophet standing up speaking on behalf of God, what are you seeing is you are seeing God's desire. You're seeing God's desire for humanity. So if we're reading and we're reading in the Psalms and I read something and, and the Holy Spirit can take what I'm reading and all of a sudden bring revelation to my heart and I say, that's mine. That's mine. As, as you're hearing preaching and you're hearing people teach wherever it is, whether it's online or whether in a church, you need to say, hey, wait a minute. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that's me. That's mine. That's mine. I take that. I have a right to that. So we're going to see here, here God's heart for humanity here and looking at Joel chapter 2. Now, I could, we could unpack all three chapters here, but just for the sake of time, you have to understand you had a group of people that were coming against God's people. Because God's people, their hearts started going after wrong things. But in verse 21, you see, anytime there is a heart of repentance, restoration follows. You need restoration in your life? It starts with repentance. There's times where I made, I did some stupid stuff. Don't look so holy, you know, you did too. I don't need to talk about all my junk. You don't need to glorify all the mistakes I've made. But understand that, that there's choices I've made based on what I wanted and things that didn't turn out the way I thought. And I said, Lord, I, I had to come to the Lord. Lord, I repent. I, I, I messed up here. But his, his grace, his mercy is so amazing that he can come in and, and he brings restoration. So here the, the, the people of God had to come to a place where they realized they had forgotten the most important thing and that was God. 
The enemy had stolen from them. They, they, had, they had taken things from them that God had blessed them with. And so look at verse 21. He, he, he makes a statement. This is a prophecy. He says, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. So this is on the backside of the repentance. The moment the repentance took place, all of a sudden the prophet stands up and says, says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done marvelous things. I think the King James says the Lord has done great things. And they go through and he goes in and he prophesies and he talks about, hey, that, 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 that things are going to be restored. Everything that the, the, the canker worm, the palm worm, everything that's been stolen would be, would be restored. But then, then he says this in verse 28, and this is what I want to get to. He says, but God's not just, I love how he just doesn't restore, but he wants to bring overflow. Verse 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterwards. After what? After the restoration. After the restoration. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And that can really make some ministers mad for some daughters prophesying. <laughs> I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams. doesn't matter how old you are. You have an assignment. Your young men shall see visions. And if you're young, I know we have preteens in here today. Don't, don't say, oh, well, that's, that, that, that works for those that are, you know, you got to be at least 30 for that to work. No, dream, dream dreams. Hallelujah. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Meaning I'm not just pouring it out on someone of nobility, but I'm pouring out also on those that are slaves, those that are, those that are in bondage, those that are men servants and maid servants in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming great and awesome day of the Lord. And it, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. Woo. So what is Mount Zion? Mount Zion represents the New Testament church. So here he says, for in the church and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. There, there needs to be freedom in the house of God. There needs to be freedom in the church of God. Thank you, Father. As the Lord has said among the remnant who the Lord calls. The Lord has called you by name. You are his. Now, now we know, let's, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Hold your place there. And... Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Luke 24. So I could take you throughout Scripture and I can show you just how constantly prophets would declare, I'm going to pour my spirit out. 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 Now, John the Baptist was a, was a prophet. And the John, John the Baptist decreed and declared some things. He, you know, John the Baptist came to Jesus and he says, Behold the land that takes away the sin of the world. And so they get to the River Jordan and Jesus is there. And, and John's like, I, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus is like... Um, 
No, he goes, we must fulfill all righteousness. So, so why, we can go through the scripture on how the spirit of God would be poured out on the Messiah. And so we know that when John the Baptist baptized Jesus under the water and he came out of the water, it said the spirit of God descended, didn't say the spirit of God is a dove. It said he descended like a dove and rested upon him. And so he, so Jesus was requiring the spirit in order to fulfill his assignment. He said, I must be baptized by you. I have to be baptized by you. It's urgent that I be baptized by you. He had to be baptized by John to fulfill righteousness because it was only in that moment that Jesus would then have the spirit of God upon his life to fulfill the assignment on his life. John the Baptist prophesied. He's what remember prophecy is to declare the will of God. To give the desire of God to his people. And, and so in Matthew chapter 3, John, John stands up and John the Baptist stands up and said, Hey, there's one coming on whose shoes I can't even, I can't even unlatch. He goes, but he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. What is, what is he saying? He's prophesying, he's coming, and he is going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. What are we hearing? We're hearing the desire of our heavenly father through John saying to the disciples, you need what this man has. Jesus needed the spirit of God. David needed the spirit of God. Samson needed the spirit of God. Elijah needed the spirit of God. Joshua needed the spirit of God. Moses needed the spirit of God. What makes you and I any different? So Jesus had to walk throughout his life and ministry. He did all the miracles he did. Why? Because of the spirit of God that was upon his life. And he tells the disciples in John chapter 16, he says, John chapter 14, and he says, I'm, I'm going away. I'm going away, but, but uh, Rochelle, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. But I'm going to send a comforter to you. I'm going to send a helper to you. I love how the Amplified breaks it down. And the Amplified says he's a strengthener. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going away, but, but I'm sending... If you go to chapter 16, he goes, he goes, it's expedient that I go. He goes, it's advantageous, it's advantageous that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. The Holy Spirit can't come. If I don't go away, it's advantage. It's to your benefit. It's beneficial for you, Peter, James, and John. It's advantageous that I go away because if I don't go away, I, the Holy Spirit can't come. And you need this. You have to have this. Jesus was like, I had to have it. But guys, you need to have it. You need to have it. You need to have the Holy Spirit. But you can go to some churches and go there for years and never hear anything about the Holy Spirit being a vital role in your walk with God. If, I will go in the strength of the Lord, my God. If the Holy Spirit is a comforter, a strengther, and a standby, then Jesus is saying, I'm sending you the one that is going to go with you and be in you. Whatever you might face, whatever you might face in the days ahead, you need to know, you need to say, I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord my God. But as New Testament believers, what's that strength? It's the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. He said, the spirit quickens, but the flesh profits nothing. This is Jesus' words. He said, he goes, the spirit quickens, but the flesh profits zero. What does that mean? The spirit quickens. The spirit makes alive. The spirit, get this, the spirit gives birth to things. The spirit of God will give you a vision for your life. The spirit of God, the spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. And I can, I, and I'm, I'm a testimony of how the flesh profits nothing. Yeah. And that's not to say that we don't do things in the net. That's, that's not the point. The point is, is, is I, everything I do, I have to do with God. Jesus is telling us, look, you need the Spirit of God in and on your life. Now let's look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 46. Luke 24, verse 46. Then he said to them, of Jesus saying, then he said to them, it is written... And thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. But go to Jerusalem. Meaning, meaning, look, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? That was the commission. But what does he tell them? Go to Jerusalem first. Go to Jerusalem first. So a lot of times we do want to step out in an assignment, but we don't want to go to Jerusalem first. A lot of times you want to do things because they sound like good ideas or you do things, but yet are you empowered and are you equipped with the thing that will carry you through to the other side? David was equipped with a thing that will carry him to the other side. He said, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. He goes on and said, I will make mention of your righteousness. And I'm going to talk about you all, all the time. I'm going to talk about you everywhere I go. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now listen, he commanded them. Wow, that's strong. Commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me, from John, truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has in his own authority. What? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So he says, go to Jerusalem, wait there, Alex, until you're endued, until you're clothed, until you're consumed, until you're immersed from this power from on high. 
But it wasn't just so they could say, hey, look at me, I've got power. It says, so you could be witnesses. So you could be a demonstration. So you could be a mouthpiece. So you could be a, so you could be a voice. So you could be a demonstration of who I am. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing and mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So they were waiting and they came to, they were waiting, they were waiting, they were waiting. And then it came. Then the Spirit of God came upon each one of them. Now let's go to verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who are in Jerusalem. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Wow. So what are they seeing? They're seeing the desire of the Father. So that means I'm not waiting for Joel chapter 2 to happen. Right? Thank you, Father. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What's, remember, what is prophecy? It's to declare God's desire. Declare God's desire. It's to release God's heart. It's to reveal God. It's to show God. So when the Spirit of God comes upon our life, the whole intent of it is for it to be witnesses. But what do we witness? We prophesy. What do we prophesy? God's desire. We prophesy God's heart. We prophesy God's compassion. And it shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above. And signs in the earth beneath. Blood, fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and moon into blood before the coming great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. The spirit of God being poured out on sons and daughters. Thank you, Father. But to be Carnally minded is death, but to what to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to live filled with the Spirit of God. There should be a difference between our lives and the life of people that live in the world. Right, Pastor Carla? <laughs> there should be something different about the atmosphere of a church than the atmosphere of a worldly concert. There should be something different about my words than someone else's words that doesn't know God. 
and we'll get into some things next week. But my commission this morning was to sow the seed, to water the seed, because there's, there's an increase coming. There's an increase coming. God gives the increase. There's an increase coming. There's an increase coming. There's an increase coming. There's an increase in the anointing. There's an increase. There's an increase in dreams. There's an increase in revelation. There's an increase in the prophetic word. There's an increase of revelation. There's an increase coming. So this morning, I'm just sowing a seed. Today, I'm watering a seed, but I know God's going to give the increase. God's going to give the increase. Hallelujah. And we are going to walk in the strength of the Lord our God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your word today. We receive it, maybe for some as a seed that of something we've never heard before. And maybe for some, it's there's the seed of revival has already been sown. So today, Lord, I thank you that I've watered that seed. So Lord, I thank you that you're going to give the increase. That when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, and we talk about the Holy Spirit, being endued with the Holy Spirit, We're saying just like David said, I will go in the strength of the Lord my God. Hallelujah. Just worship the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're not hungry for God this morning, maybe maybe just your prayer to pray this morning is, Lord, make me thirsty. Lord, I desire to be thirsty. I there's something I I'm not, don't have a drive or a hunger for what he's talking about, Lord, but, but make me thirsty. Make me hungry. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. That we as heritage of faith would be endued with power from on high. That as a church, we would be clothed, empowered with, strengthened with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As you have your hands lifted, just to start thanking the Father for fullness. Fullness to overflow. Fullness to overflow. Fullness to overflow. Saturate. Saturate our lives. Saturate us. Thank you, Father, that as we are filled with the Spirit, we will operate in a wisdom within this world that we've never operated with before. As we are filled with the Spirit and we go in the strength of God, He will give us ideas and witty inventions. As we go in the strength of God, He will show us how to handle meetings, how to talk to people. He'll show us what doors to walk through and what doors not to walk through. As, he, as, as we operate or endued with power, people will there will be something attractive about our lives. There will be something on our lives, something that will cause the world around us to be curious about the peace we walk in, the joy we walk in. There will be something different about us because of the fullness of the spirit that we operate in and the spirit and the fullness of the spirit that abides within us and shines through us. I thank you for the spirit of life. The spirit is life because of righteousness. I thank you for the life of God in this place today. The life of God that flows through us as believers. We have hope today because the spirit of God abides in us. We have strength today because the Spirit of God abides within us. We are victorious today because the Spirit of God abides within us. We are above only and not beneath because the Spirit of God abides within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are a movement of God going somewhere to happen because the Spirit of God abides within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 
fill this place. Fill every heart. Fullness, fullness, fullness. Pursue after your word and and yield to the Holy Spirit. I thank you for birthing vision, birthing assignments, solidifying assignments, restoring visions that have been let go, restoring dreams that have that people have let go of. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just fan the flame of vision in people's hearts today. Hallelujah. That those visions, hallelujah, the visions that, that you placed in them years ago about their call and about those purpose, Lord, that those visions would be revived today. Those visions would be revived today. Hallelujah. I breathe fresh, fresh wind, fresh wind over their dreams, fresh wind over their desire. Hallelujah. The desire that you have for them, for a for the, the spouse to call that you caught alongside of them, the things that they have let go of that they would pick up today and they'd run with it. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Fulfill your assignment in this house, Lord. Fulfill your assignment through this house, Father. Fulfill your assignment through each one of us, Father. In Jesus' name. If you receive that today, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Father.